Welcome to Talking Saratoga, a weekly podcast with insight on the latest news, debate, and discussion from Saratoga Springs, a city that has never suffered from a shortage of opinions. I'm Robin Dalton, a New York City girl turned Saratogian, city council veteran, and mother to a bunch of kids who are probably playing unsupervised on Caroline Street right now. I'm joined by co-host Dan DeFederici's, a native of the Buffalo suburb of Chicken. I can't do it, Dan. I still can't do it. Help me out. I'm going to look forward to this every week, and by the year, by week six, you'll have it right. Uh, Chicktawaga, New York, outside of Buffalo. Chicktawaga, New York, outside of Buffalo. He is a retired New York State trooper, past police union leader, attorney, publisher of the Saratoga Report, husband and father to two beautiful daughters, and a lifelong beleaguered Bills fan. Go Bills Mafia. Adam Israel is a lifelong Saratogian, a local business owner, Pop Warner dad, and most recently dipped his toes into politics as an independent candidate for commissioner of finance. A reminder that the opinions expressed on Talking Saratoga are our own and do not represent any other group, person, or organization. We welcome all perspectives and opinions uh, while talk on Talking Saratoga, as long as they are expressed honestly and with mutual respect. Uh, so that said, let's jump right in. It has been a wild week. There have been two pieces of breaking news that are unfolding right now. One uh, concerns the Daryl Mount death, and the other is uh, about the mask mandate uh, that the city council lifted for all city buildings. We will get into that in a little bit, as well as the uh, mask in school and what went on at the Board of Education meeting last night as well. But first, we want to start off with the Daryl Mount case, because there has been a tremendous amount going on there. And Adam, why don't you uh, intro that so people uh, and bring people up to speed as where we are and what's going on before we discuss. Sure. And uh, we will, we're, we're going to touch on this subject because it is something that's very important today, but uh, we plan on going more in depth with a, with a panel of, of uh, people next week to kind of give us some, some uh, really break down what the report said. But essentially, uh, the police or the public safety commissioner, James Macanino, released a report on the circumstances surrounding the death of Daryl Mount, who was a young man who suffered serious and ultimately fatal injuries while fleeing police in 2013. Uh, I think the we want to start with the prefatory remarks that Commissioner Montanino said that Daryl Mount was a human being. He was a son, a stepson, and a brother. He was a friend to many. His passing at the age of 22 was a tragedy that not only cut short his life, but also robbed his family and friends of cherished memories. James Galan's state that the, in his analysis that the objective was to be impartial and must not be misrepresented as being disrespectful to Mr. Mounts. Hopefully our analysis is as well. In the early mornings of August 31st, officers from the Saratoga Springs Police Department approached Daryl Mount on Caroline Street after they witnessed what they believe was Mr. Mount assaulting his girlfriend. Mr. Mount ran away and the officers pursued him. At the end of the chase, Mr. Mount was found unconscious, bleeding face down in an alley apparently after falling 20 feet from scaffolding. Mr. Mount suffered brain and other injuries, immediately went into a coma, and remained in a coma from brain and other injuries for nine months, and he eventually succumbed to those injuries. Uh, the, the result, in, it resulted in an accusation against our police source in a lawsuit against the city filed by Mr. Mount's mother. Uh, I'm sorry, quick clarification, Adam. Um, I don't believe he was in a coma the entire time. I just wanted to point that out. Although right, he did, right. actually, in, in looking he did back, succumb, think, yeah. He was never able to speak again. I know that. But, but yes, he, was, he did he succumb was, to his injuries ultimately. Sorry, so car no, carry on. No, that's an important part. Thing. Uh, Commissioner Montanillo concluded that the officers involved in the initial pursuit of Mr. Mount, and I quote here, acted appropriately under the circumstances that they existed at the time, and that the information known to the officers at the time warranted immediate action. He stated that Mr. Mount was relisting a lawful arrest, 
supported by probable cause by freeing, fleeing from the police. He disputed a doctor's opinion that Mr. Mount sustained his injuries from an assault, and he stated that there is overwhelming evidence from which a reasonable person can conclude that no police officer was near Mr. Mount at the time he suffered his fatal injuries. This report seems to overwhelmingly support and exaggerate the actions of our police department. We will be dedicating the majority of next week's show, like I said, to discussing his, his tragic death. The repercussions have been throughout this, felt throughout the city, and, and it's important to say that Mr. Mon, uh, Mr. Montenegro did not find fault with our police department. Uh, he did criticize our uh, current commissioner or the, the previous commissioner of public safety, Commissioner McKeeson, and then the chief, Chief Beach. But today, Robin and, um, and Dan, I'd like your quick thoughts uh, on, on the meaning of this report and, and what you took from it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, folks, if you have not read this, you really should. It's, it's, very, it's a very readable document. It's, it's only 38 pages. It's packed with uh, informative and enlightening information. And uh, he used the word dispassionate. Uh, Adam, I'm glad you started with those, those, those uh, the beginning of that report. I'm glad Jim wrote that, that he was a human being. He was a lot of things. Uh, he balanced it. He, he didn't try uh, uh, painting Daryl Mount as an angel, but he, uh, he balanced it. I think he, uh, he, uh, he gave the facts as he saw them. Uh, that report is available on the city website. It's available on Saratoga Report. Uh, presumably, Adam, it's available on what's going on Saratoga Facebook page, or will be uh, if it not already is. It's, it's out there. Uh, I encourage you to read it. It's, it's an important document, and I look forward to next week when we break it down even more. I'm just going to close by essentially borrowing what the Times Union said about the report in an editorial yesterday, at last, Some Sunlight is the title of the editorial. In 38 highly readable, searing pages, Saratoga Springs Commissioner of Public Safety, James Montanino, takes a clear-eyed look at the facts as they are now known and comes to two unmistakable conclusions. Uh, those are in the report. I will quickly point out, I don't agree with you know, what I view as, as the harsh criticism of uh, a retired Chief Greg Veach. Uh, does he deserve some criticism? Certainly, but I, I thought this went overboard and we'll get more into that next week. Yeah. Um, there, there's so much to talk about here. Um, you know, I think the headline for everyone, honestly, is that Daryl Mount was not murdered by our police department, as which has been the assertion of Saratoga Black Lives Matter, um, specifically over the last two years. Um, the refrain I hear most often from them is, how do you spell murder? SSPD. And in these 38 pages, uh, it really leaves no doubt that uh, there was no involvement of the police officers that night um, in Daryl Mount's death. Um, Mayor Kim last night, when talking about this report, said it was very thorough and grounded in fact. And I, I quite agree. I also um, take issue a bit with the criticisms of Commissioner Matisson and Chief Feech. Uh, both Commissioner Matisson served, um, he was two commissioners ago. Commissioner Martin was prior to myself, and then Commissioner Matisson served for six years prior to that. Uh, Chief Feech uh, left gosh, three years ago, perhaps. And so Chief Kirks is now our chief as well. Um, that's a whole other issue. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to mention, though, that I thought was so kind of shocking to me about this report um, is that, first of all, there was another witness that came forward very recently who was a bartender at Gaffney's and WNYT has been reporting on this. He came forward, he says, because he saw the leader of Black Lives Matter on TV talking about what had happened to Daryl Mount. Um, he had been reluctant to come forward before. He just didn't want to get involved. But hearing this narrative um, from Black Lives Matter, apparently 
uh, prompted him to uh, contact uh, the attorneys and say that he had indeed been a witness to what happened to Daryl Mount and saw him fall off scaffolding. Um, video surveillance confirms that he was at Gaffney's that night. He's been deposed. And so these two things coming out at the same time really do um, exonerate our police department in a way that I think uh, really is great and needed to happen. But at the same token, Commissioner Montanino, after walking us through this incredibly thorough, detailed reasoning as to why they weren't culpable, then goes on to say that, so in light of that, he believes we should settle the civil suit um, that is currently being litigated with the city um, from Patty Jackson, who is uh, Daryl Mount's mother, um, who filed a wrongful death uh, suit against uh, the city. I find that shocking. I, I don't understand why we would settle that or admit to any guilt in Daryl Mount's death when he has literally just proven in great detail that, that we had no involvement. Um, so perhaps that's an issue for to talk about next week, but um, that was one of the things that I felt, uh, you know, was kind of shocking to me at the conclusion of this, was that he exonerated the police, but then said we should settle the civil suit. Yeah, I, I thought I, I thought it took I thought it took a lot of leadership. You know, I said this in the last show um, to the, the to Commissioner Montanino that if he if he doesn't believe our police are murderers to say something, and he did. Uh, what kind of shocks me, and, and, and Robin, you know, if, when you were Commissioner of Public Safety, if you came out and said I did a report and Daryl mounted, you know, Daryl Mount died oh in the report, how how did that gone over? Uh, I would have been burned so, at the stake. <laughs> I, th I think you would have had some some words at your next city council meeting. It seemed like it seemed like uh, uh, the, the 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 local uh, Saratoga Black Lives Matter. They didn't. Um, they 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 didn't. They they didn't have the same uh, objection uh, to this report and this finding that they would have. And I'm just curious as why I'm hoping there's no quid pro quo there, where you know James made a or the city council made a deal with them that they're going to say exonerate the police department, but in return, you know something like perhaps you know settle the lawsuit. But again. I think next week when we have a more diverse group uh, to, to, to talk about this, we'll get into those issues. And so I think that'll lead us into the next segment is the city council meeting last night and uh, some of the, 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 the... Although real quick, Dan, you as an attorney, Dan, any, any quick thoughts on the um, settling the lawsuit or is that something you wanna say for next week? Um, I, I do wanna say that for next week, I will have some things okay. to say. And I may surprise you a little bit. Okay, I'll be holding my breath for that. But yes, yeah, so right. uh, one of the one of the purposes of talking Saratoga, um, one of the reasons we are doing this is to talk about um, some of the drama, action, controversy, and money changing hands, laws being made and sometimes being broken. Uh, what am I talking about? I'm talking about city council meetings. We tape on Wednesdays because city council meetings are held on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. And so we've done the heavy lifting for Saratogians. We've sat through these meetings, which can sometimes go for hours. We've sifted through the agendas and we are here to bring you the highlight reel of what happened at the city council meeting that was last night. So where should we begin, Adam? All right, well, let's talk about where, we, you know, a subject we talked about last meeting, and that is the appointment or the lack thereof of an attorney and a assistant attorney for the city. In our commission form of government, the pair appoints this, these positions uh, and this, the attorneys represent all five members of the council as well as the city. Uh, Mayor Kim did not reappoint Vincent Tony, and uh, he wants to adjust the hours and compensation of the city attorney position. Uh, and so he's, you know, Mayor Kim's an attorney, his deputy's an attorney. That was the, the idea is they could handle the attorney work for the city. This has drawn criticism from this panel and this group. 
Uh, yesterday, he he, he kind of switched course on that with appointing Tony Izzo as the assistant attorney. Or, or, or can, maybe, uh, uh, Robin, you can speak to exactly the, the appointment and in, 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 uh, attorney Izzo's uh, role with the city now. Sure. So, so yes. So um, at the end of December, Mayor Kim um, informed Vince Dillonardis, who'd been with the city for eight years, and Tony Izzo, who'd been with the city for 30 plus years, that they were um, being let go as assistant city attorney and city attorney. Um, so for the last six weeks, we've been flying blind without a, without a legal department. Um, but last night, Mayor Kim introduced a announcement and then a discussion and vote appointing Tony Izzo, bringing him back as a temporary city attorney until they permanently fill that appointment. Uh, Tony Izzo, in my opinion, is officially up for sainthood um, and it deserves all of our praise and love. Uh, he's really a beloved uh, person in Saratoga Springs. I think he's touched the lives of so many people and he's worked with so many people over the last uh, several decades. And to have him back, um, I think it's a great thing because he can get a lot of things going that have been kind of like halted for the last six weeks in city courts specifically, meaning like land use issues, code enforcement cases, any traffic traffic violations, those are all settled in city court. And to you know move them forward, we need someone from the city to um, argue on behalf of the prosecution and represent the city. Tony Izzo can do that and get things going. He can also do things like write the resolutions for the city council members, which are really important because that language has to be spot on and legally sound. So I think it's a great thing that Tony has rejoined the team, uh, but he certainly can't do it alone. It's, it's too big of a job for one person. I also think it is, incorrect to have the mayor and deputy mayor act as legal counsel for the city. I hope this means that they will stop doing that. Uh, we know Judge Waite had a serious problem with that and, and gave them a serious tongue lashing for their involvement, uh, trying to play both roles at once. Although we also know that the rest of the city council, um, save for Commissioner Sirocco, has no problem with that. They have now gone on record in one of the Foothills Daily News articles saying that they think it is entirely appropriate for a mayor to play a dual role as city attorney and mayor. I disagree. Dan, what do you think? Um, you know, I, I said last week, Ron needed to get this behind him and uh, he, made a, he made a shrewd move at this point. He made a lot of mistakes for, for the past six weeks, uh, a lot of drama. You, you talked about the, uh, the judge's letter, there were editorial boards, the bloggers, a, uh, an ethics complaint, how far that goes, I you know, will leave for another day. But nonetheless, it wasn't, it didn't make Ron look good. And um, I said he had to have it behind him in March and he made a, you know, not only did he hire an attorney, but Robin, you said it perfectly, he hired a great attorney. No one is gonna question the qualifications, experience of Mr. Izzo. And he, you know, I have confidence now that where, where things were falling off legally, he will quickly get back up to speed and so forth. And uh, one thing I'll point out is when uh, Mr. Izzo moved on, Ron had some negative things to say about him and Mr. Leonardis, which he shouldn't have done, but we're dwelling a lot on the past. Nice save, Ron. You needed to do that. Now going forward, you need to have, if not a couple of wins lined up, at least no flubs for uh, the next six weeks. We, we, and I'm serious. He, we don't need to see negativity. You, Ron, you, if you didn't know it before, you've got some enemies out there, and they will jump whether there is a valid reason to or not. Yeah, I think it's important to go ahead, Robin. Then. Oh no, I was just going to say I, I, I've only wanted the city council to to succeed. I, I may not agree with them politically, but that really doesn't matter. The only thing I want is for Saratoga Springs to be successful, for the employees in City Hall to be able to do their job successfully, and for that we need a successful city council. So we always hope for the best, but. 
I'm an equal opportunity critic and I'm not going to hesitate to criticize, but yes, I hope that we have nobody, some, uh, nobody ever make that claim. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, I will say, I read that yesterday. I think yesterday was actually the 36th anniversary of the first time, um, uh, Tony Iza was appointed to, uh, work for the city as an attorney. So that really goes to speak to his, uh, his, him spanning the, 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 uh, the generations here in Saratoga. Yeah. So, anyway, we're happy to see that. There was also a feasibility study about the state park yesterday that Mayor Kim announced. Um, hey, oh, uh, Dan, Dan apparently is offended by your transition and has walked away, but but hopefully hopefully uh, we'll get him back. I have a, a, back. A, my, a minor family situation. They will not stop for this podcast. I won't be back in sixty seconds. All okay, right. so that was that wasn't a walk off the set. Okay, good. So yes, Adam, keep going. There was um, an item on the <laughs> there was an item on the on the mayor's agenda about expanding the state park. Um, and I think he said it was brought, the idea was brought to him from, uh, Gordon Boyd and Billy McTighe. Um, I think that you and I, I mean, everybody loves the state park. I love having park around the city. I think it would be very cool to expand it. Um, but the item last night just said that they were going to ask governor Hochul to do a feasibility study on what that would look like. They didn't articulate any of the details of where, when, or how the state park would be expanded unless I missed something. Did, did I miss something, Adam? Did you catch that? Yeah, I, I didn't see that either. I want to say I, I, I'm completely behind this idea. I think most people are, uh, but I think we need to get some, some, you know, some more meat of, of the, what exactly who's going to pay for that, where it's going to be expanded to. Yeah. It'll look like I think the city council, they they're they're new. We'll give them a pass. Uh, they they ha having the documentation loaded up to the website before city council meetings is not something they're particularly strong at right now. Uh, so to, you know things like this feasibility study we can can dive deeper into. But for right now, the idea seems great. If they can pull it off, fantastic. We'd love to. I, I think everybody in the city really thinks that that state park is special with SPAC and the golf and just the ability yeah. to get outside. Adam, I think it's good that you're going to give the city council a pass for being new because they're they're two months in, but I'm not going to give them a pass. Um, you know, uploading things like so, folks, when you go to look at the agenda to see what's going to be talked about at the city council meeting, there are supposed to be supporting documents attached to every agenda line. So um, when it comes to a discussion and vote about asking the governor to do this feasibility study, you should be able to click through and see what the language of that request is going to be to Catherine, uh, Governor Hochul. Um, it wasn't attached. I would say about half of the items discussed last night did not have supporting documents attached. Really strategically, the only reason you would do that is such that the public doesn't know what is going to be voted on and thus does not have time to criticize prior to a city council meeting. Um, you're finding out as they're voting on it, which does not allow for feedback or public comment beforehand. Uh, I don't I don't find that to be a transparent way to conduct business, um, although it is, I guess, a smart political strategy if you want to avoid any negative feedback. Um, so while we wait for Dan to get back, uh, should we go into the infrastructure committee and the announcement about the infrastructure committee, Adam? Sure. So the city council is being proactive about receiving this, this money that's out there that's possibly coming in from the federal government uh, to for things like infrastructure. Uh, mayor Kim has appointed uh, Joanne Yepsen. She was a former mayor of the city uh, to chair the committee as well as other appointees. And I, I'm just interested, Robin, you know, being in the city council, if they, you know, say we got a big pot of money that could go to infrastructure, you know, it's a broad term, what infrastructure in this city would you like to see improved? Yeah, so this committee is going to be prioritizing um, um, what they, they feel the infrastructure needs are and where this money should go. 
I have some pretty strong feelings about it, but I kind of want to hear from you guys first. Dan, what, what would you do if you were able to decide where infrastructure money for Saratoga Springs went if we got some from the feds? You're asking a father with young kids where the money should go. <laughs> okay, that's teed up for me. Recreation. <laughs> Everything. Um, this is a great city already. Uh, we have indoor recreation. We have outdoor recreation. The city, uh, the, the city runs uh, several recreational facilities that my family uses a lot of. A waterfront park was put in in the last 10, 12 years. Could you believe for years we didn't have a lake, a Saratoga Lake Park access in the city? Um, so some great things have been done. I'm always about more. Uh, some of that carries over into the tourist area, uh, especially downtown, and some uh, security issues for you know, anti-terrorism. Uh, every few months we hear about a deranged individual riding a, a dump truck up onto a sidewalk. Well, you know what? I, uh, I, I walk downtown and I, I look around and I say, you know, there are a lot of access points where a vehicle could do horrible, horrible damage. Uh, I would love this city to have uh, visually appealing uh, barricades that nobody could do that. And there are security issues well beyond that that go deeper than what I know. But uh, so a combination of things uh, uh, between the recreation and uh, things that, that help the city uh, enhance what it already does so well, and that is be a, a, an attraction from uh, really the whole region of the country. Adam, what, do you, what would you spend this um, infrastructure money on? Right. So the, I think the, the first thing was uh, having, having the, traveled a, a number of times in my days. I spent some time in Amsterdam, and the the, inf the bike lane infrastructure there is, is phenomenal. It really is that, why, is that why you got an Amsterdam, Adam, for the bike lanes? <laughs> Keep going. I don't know what you're talking about, Robin. Uh, anyway, moving on. The the bike lanes there, it's it's just to be able to get on your bike and to safely get from point A to point B and, and point A, point B being a meaningful destinations was something that's really special for a city. Uh, it can drive tourism. It can cut carbon emissions. It really is a win-win. So I know, I know in the past we've put in bike lanes. I don't think they were done particularly well. They don't really connect, uh, uh, you know, a meaningful point A and point B. They, they don't, you don't feel safe when you're on them. You feel like you're in the middle of uh, Lake Ave. Um, Robin, when you were, when, you know, when you were commissioner, you were in charge of striping those lanes. What, what, what are your thoughts on those bike lanes? And, and, and real quick though, before you answer that, I'd say the other thing is, is, is curbs. I'd love to see our curbs improved. I know that's a, a kind of a, a weird thing, but, uh, I just think our city you drive around the curbs are chipped and, and, and it does, it, it's somewhere paved over and it doesn't help with rainwater and excess, uh, flooding. So I'd love to see uh, our curbs, you know, the curb appeal beautified. So. But getting back to the bike lanes, Robin, what is what's going on with the bike lanes and 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 just kind of being out there in the middle of Lake Ave? Well, well, let me touch on two things first. One, you guys would both make great politicians because people love hearing that you want more parks and recreation and 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 bike lanes and connectivity. That is really politically appealing here. So you both make great politicians. I, on the other hand, am more of a realist. I'm a little more practical. This infrastructure money needs to go to one critical area, in my opinion which is Geyser Crest neighborhood, because they have suffered for decades and decades with debilitating flooding anytime we get rainfall. And that has to be addressed. I mean, these are folks who have to put sandbags out around their house anytime there's heavy rain coming. And if you have seen the images of what those roads and yards look like when we've had a decent amount of rainfall, it is really, it is really bad. And so that should be our number one priority. You know, bike lanes, rack, all this stuff, 
that's all well and good if you have these you know fundamental infrastructure issues under control but right now we don't have them under control you know our our pipes and and sewers and everything in Saratoga Springs they're aging they're old our infrastructure has uh you know been through a lot of wear and tear and but Kaiser Crest to me is the number one priority um in terms of bike lanes I cannot take responsibility for the Lake Avenue bike lanes uh that was done under Commissioner Martin um I think they're totally janky and and terrible, to be honest with you. I think the design stinks. Uh, in my opinion, the best practice for a bike lane is to put a buffer uh, between the traffic and the bike lane, not just a single stripe. Uh, it's really hard to see that stripe driving up and down Lake Ave, especially at nighttime. It's a heavy truck traffic route, and um, I wouldn't send my kids on it. Plus, you use it and you end up on the intersection of uh, Lake Avenue and Henning. Where do you go from there, guys? I'm not sure there's any destination on that corner. You're kind of just stuck. On the other hand, you drive, you, you bike in towards town and the bike lane ends, I think, at the corner of Regent and Lake Avenue. So where you go from there, I don't know. Um, we, at the end of my term in office, did recommitted to the complete streets plan that was adopted by the city years ago. And I believe put about $250,000 in the budget line to you know take a step back, look at the existing trails and bike trails that we have right now and develop them in a way that makes sense and gets you from point A to point B and aren't just piecemealing things um, that don't work cohesively. Um, also, I know the downtown connector trail is something that has been underway for years and years, and it just takes a long time, but it is also doing what you, Adam, expressed uh, is needed, which is connecting a trail that would connect to the trails outside of the city such that you'd be able to go from like, you know, SPAC all the way into the city and out the other side over by um, the, uh, let me think, the northeast side of the city. Is that right? Yes, I think so. So progress is being made in those areas. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> I was just figuring out with the north, the northeast. Well, clearly Dan and I are more into the kind of the sexy infrastructure projects, right? The ones that look good. Robin, you're more into the, the functional meat and potatoes ones that, that really keep the city going. I think that probably comes from you having to have sitting on the city council and having to deal with this. But Adam, but we, we do love Geyser Crest. We don't want to get hate now from Geyser Crest. We oh, do agree that, was that, three that you know, she has the experience of being on the city council. She knows uh, where the, where the deeper issues are. So certainly uh, uh, we, we can, we can partially. Can agree you imagine if you had to put sandbags outside and around your house, every time there was a big rainfall coming because the flooding was so terrible and it was going to flood your basement. Like that's nuts. You, yeah. you illustrate it more than I've ever known before. I knew there were flooding issues there. There was a new development in there in the past know, five, eight years. And, uh, and there was quite a bit of talk about the flooding and whether that development would, would uh, make it worse. And um, so I'm, I'm glad you illustrated that. That really drives it home. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of bikes, that's, that takes us into our, our next subject with a bike share. The city council signed a MOU with CDDA, CDTA for a bike share program committing 75000 in matching funds to participate in the bike share program. City employees will get free bike share memberships. Not sure how many bikes or what it will look like, but I'm wondering what, you know, what, what would your take on this, this, uh, this MOU with CDTA, Robin? So quick adjustment. Um, initially, it did say there were $75,000 in matching funds. Last night at the council meeting, it was, uh, it's actually only $25,000 in matching funds to participate in this bike share program with CDTA. Um, my question when I saw this on the agenda was like, this is awesome. But what does it mean? Does it mean because we have a bike share program right now? It looks like it. I think, if I'm recall, if I recall correctly, it's sponsored by CDPHB. Does that keep the existing bike share program we have now, or does it expand it? Are we adding more bikes? Like, what does this mean? Um, 
they voted to spend the $25,000 and participate in this, um, but no one on the city council seemed to have an answer to the questions that I just articulated. Um, to me, I prefer to have the details of what I'm getting before I spend money. Um, and I would have preferred that they have those questions answered before they asked uh, the council to vote on spending money. No one else seemed to have that objection. And so they did pass uh, this resolution last night. Uh, Dan, what did you think? Did, that, did you catch details that I missed here? Um, a, a quick aside on a related issue. Uh, CDTA was supposed to bring electric scooters here to the spa city last year. They did I know. pilot programs in other cities. It was supposed to get here last year. For some reason, it didn't. Uh, they've been mum on that since. I'd like to see that happen. And let's face it, uh, spring is going to be here, here closely. I know you might not think so with the weather this past weekend, but it is coming. So I'm really thinking about uh, spring and summer. So I hope that goes. Uh, I, on, the, on the bike share, I give CDTA some credit of what they've done in the past. Right now, in many areas of the spa city, on your uh, with an app, you can rent a bike, uh, drop it off in a completely different spot than you rented it from. Uh, there's a spot over by uh, the state park, a spot over by the track, uh, some spots downtown. Uh, very well done. I do not, I want to find out more about this before I comment on it. I am not totally prepared on this issue, but I'm generally excited by this. Uh, uh, your reservations, uh, I, I, I agree. Robin, uh, we will follow up with that on a future show. Hey, yeah, hey, so, hey. Real quick, let me just jump in with the electric scooters. You have, I've been to some cities with those and they're awesome. You get an app, you, you, know, you find a scooter, you hop on it, and boom, you go. There's, there's a lot of issues behind that, though. And I, I was actually talking to a doctor in one of these major cities who said that, that the emergency room emissions were up dramatically from these scooters because, you know, people just, you know, you get on it and, and you, they, 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 they can move. So that's something to keep in mind. But the so, other I, thing, too, is, 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 is me for this is Robin, is the law surrounding these scooters as far as that you're viewed as a pedestrian, at least where I was, this was actually in a different country, so I don't know how much it was here, but you. But if you're on a scooter, do you follow the roles of a car, a bike, and a, a pedestrian? So just some things to think about. Robin, take it away. No, that's exactly what I was going to touch on, which is that I know that the city had been working on code language that addressed things like motorized scooters. We have now motorized like skateboards. There are bikes that have um, motors built in. All of those things we need to uh, get up to speed with in terms of our enforcement language and how and where you can use those type of vehicles. I don't know if that's been done yet, but it is a concern because right now, bikers and uh, runners don't seem to understand the rules of the road. I mean, you need to bike with traffic and you run against traffic. Um, people don't seem to even know those basics. So it does make me a little bit nervous because we really need bike lanes to be able to have safe biking and we don't have the bike lanes we need to have safe biking. So I think, um, you know, I'm glad all these things are happening, but I think safety has got to be number one and we have to be mindful of that. Excellent. All right, outdoor uh, dining was also brought up yesterday. Uh, I know this is something uh, that, that everybody enjoys. It's nice to be outside. Dan, how about you? You like eating dinner outside? Uh, yes, I, I'm, a, as you know, I'm, I'm an unashamed Saratoga lover. I love everything about Saratoga. I love the restaurant. <laughs> I love the outdoor dining. I want more of it. I recognize there are other issues that go with it. It's not all good. The uh, Daily Gazette did an editorial on uh, 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 the commissioner's outdoor dining proposal to extend it for three years. But obviously, I'm for that, recognizing that other business, businesses have concerns, neighbors have concerns as well. But generally, where, where it can be done, I would hate to see uh, old regulations and old laws hold that back. So we have to move forward on that. So just to be clear, Commissioner Moran had a public hearing last night to talk about keeping the expanded outdoor dining that happened during COVID in place for the next three years. 
Um, he is voting on it. They are, the city council is voting on it at the next city council meeting, which will be the first Tuesday in March. Um, my thoughts on this are as follows. I love the outdoor dining. I think it's awesome. And I think it should exist forever. However, the reason that we had to keep incrementally expanding it and continuing it was because the SLA, which is the state liquor authority, um, adjusted their language to allow for this extended dining area, these extended dining areas, such that their liquor license, the establishment's liquor license would cover the expanded dining. Um, so they could serve alcohol, um, you know, in the street or sidewalk or wherever they'd expand it to. Um, I don't know that that language is going to exist forever uh, with the SLA. So it was important that we extend our outdoor dining in step with their language. Um, otherwise, you might not be able to serve booze um, and in these outdoor dining areas, which would be problematic. Um, the, the only other issue, the only other negative that had come up over the last few years was uh, some of the businesses that are on the same streets as uh, bars and restaurants that um, aren't first floor brick and mortar, you know, bars, restaurants, and have customers or clients, they all lost their parking. And so I know that was um, a challenge and, and some of the negative feedback we got. But by and large, you know, I think hopefully we would be able to work with any individuals who are experiencing that kind of unintended side effect. And I just think that expanded dining is, is a great thing. I think they did it well. I, I give huge thanks to DA Collins, who were the ones who um, got us the barriers for the outdoor dining and are picking them up and, and storing them and bringing them back when um, we, you know, open up outdoor dining um, availability again. So thank you, DA Collins, you rock. Um, but I think this is a, a good thing as long as it's done um, in a way that we can drink outside as well, not just uh, sip iced tea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm for this. I'm a big believer. And as the, the water rises, the ships goes up. Uh, hopefully, the, the the businesses that are losing parking it'll be offset by having people in front of your in front of your uh, shop, seeing your goods, and hopefully coming in and buying something. All right, there was some COVID nineteen updates yesterday. Uh, Robin, as the former commissioner of public safety, you were in charge of the city's COVID nineteen um, uh, uh, response. Uh, we're definitely a different place now. You want to talk us through the the, the COVID nineteen updates of the city council sure. yesterday? Sure. Yeah. So sure. First of all, uh, this is something I've been trying to get clarification on, but have not. Um, the public safety department is tasked with the emergency responses, and because we have the emergency medical professionals in the public safety department, um, for I guess for whatever reason, the commissioner of accounts has taken over the COVID anything COVID related, um, and it's no longer uh, being handled by public safety. I don't really get that. Doesn't make sense to me. I wish they would communicate that back to the public because um, people are looking for information and answers and don't really know where to look. Uh, they still keep coming to me, which is fine. I'm, I'm trying to help them as much as I can, but I would appreciate that clarification at some point from the city. Um, but at any rate, uh, our rates are down, which is awesome. And most excitingly, the city has lifted its mask mandate for all city buildings. Um, very recently, the Commissioner of Accounts had uh, passed a resolution saying that all city employees needed to wear KN95 masks. They spent about $8,000 buying masks. That was about a hot minute ago. Kind of think that was a little bit of a waste considering now they've lifted the mandate, but who cares? Let's look forward. Let's not look back. I think it's great that um, we're getting healthy and you know we don't all have to wear masks everywhere. And I can see your beautiful, smiling faces. So that's a good thing. Dan, are you for taking off the mask in City Hall? Um, yes, and I, 
you know, I grapple with everything COVID lately. Like I, it does, you know, I have a daughter that's too young to be vaccinated. I have elderly in-laws that even if they are vaccinated, still have a devastating result from it. At the same time, I have COVID fatigue. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we do have to uh, live, live our lives and learn to live with COVID. It's not going away anytime soon. And uh, um, uh, so I, I, I am happy to see that going forward. I, I'm trying to have it both ways, right? I'm trying to be as cautious as possible. And I'm also trying to move on. You guys, I don't know if you've observed this, but I took my kids to Price Chopper last week and they went to go grab their masks. And I told them exciting news. The governor says we don't have to wear our masks inside businesses anymore. So we could go to the grocery store mask free. They were kind of like pumped, but cautious. We went to Price Chopper. I swear to God, 95% of the people there were still wearing a mask. And then the three of us felt so self-conscious. And I started getting all this anxiety because I felt like I should have a mask on too. And so it's kind of like, I want everybody to be doing things at the same time. And, and I know that, you know, everyone's doing things per their comfort level, but um, it's just kind of, it still feels like a very, I don't know, ang anxious situation for me um, because I don't want people to think I'm being irresponsible um, if I'm the only one not wearing a mask. Have you guys noticed that or observed that at all in businesses? Uh, I've noticed certainly a reduction since then and certain to the places you'd go, it's, it's flipped. It's 5% are wearing masks. Um, yeah. And uh, but um, you know, I, I I still generally, if I'm in a crowd of indoors, especially, I, I'm choosing to wear mine. But it depends on where you are as to the, the mask usage. And I know later, Adam, we're going to touch on um, the school board meeting last night, and and masks were hugely a central issue there. But before we do that, let's just try to round out some of the final items at the city council meeting. One of which was an announcement also about a New York State uh, film tax credit. Um, I kind of was confused about the details of this. Adam, I don't know if either you or Dan can describe it to our viewers a little better than I could. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't quite understand what this tax credit was or who it targeted. I mean, I know it targeted the film industry, but exactly how. Uh, I think Commissioner Shangvi, the commissioner of finance, didn't get it either. There was some back and forth between her and um, uh, Commissioner Moran about it. I commend Commissioner Shangvi because... I think our city council, as well, they're voting as four Democrats. Um, I'd like to see them, you know, if they don't agree with something, speak up and not just, you know, rubber stamp things for the party line. So, Commissioner Shangri, congrats on that. Uh, it seems, it, without knowing the details of it, my, you know, my general thought on on tax credits like this that go to that that the state or the federal government hands out is they typically go and they they really benefit the large companies. Um, they, they benefit the companies that, you know, we had Owen Wilson in here and that was great for the city, but, you know, the small, the small movie producer, could he, you know, could, could he benefit from these tax credits? Uh, I would hope so. I mean, they think, you know, you, you really see it with Amazon. They are the, they are the, the benchmark of, of, you know, not paying taxes and, and having the, 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 the money to hire a team of accountants to go in and make sure you don't pay taxes. So I'm um, generally, as far as tax credits goes, trying to steal business from surrounding communities or states. I, I'm, I'm really generally don't like that because it's just taking, it's just giving breaks to making the rich richer to, and, 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 you know, to, to spite our fellow Americans, New Yorkers, Saratonians, what have you. Uh, so that's my thought on this, this without having more information. That's kind of my thought on, on, on these tax credits. Dan? I kinda, oh yeah, Dan, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, these have existed at the state level, at least going back to the Pataki administration, and, and I believe maybe even the Mario Cuomo administration, especially uh, they started down in New York City, where obviously a lot of movies are filmed. And um, I, I, I question, and a lot of people question long before I did, uh, whether the taxpayers are getting any value from 
from this, the, the money that is lost in taxes and so forth. Certainly there's some economic benefit to having movies come to an area, but uh, I, uh, I'm a skeptic somewhat. I, I want to see the numbers. And um, so, you know, it's neat having Owen Wilson uh, around town. Everyone tells me, you know, he's at the cigar shop, nice guy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I want to see numbers. I want to know that it's valuable. So we should, uh, we should take a close scrutinized look at this. All right, you guys, I got to disagree with that. You, you, you guys are losing it. I, when Owen Wilson was here, the crew and the amount of people they brought with them, I think it was something like they used 36 different Airbnbs while they were staying here. They ate out, they were lunching, they were spending all their money downtown. Um, they brought a huge amount of people here. They brought attention here. Um, and ultimately it was a great economic stimulus. And we rarely see this happen because it is so much less expensive to film in places like Canada. So I think that encouraging, you know, more films to be shot here by giving them some small financial incentive is a great thing because they're coming here and spending all their money here. And um, and I think the Chamber of Commerce and my sister-in-law, Anna Maria Bellantoni, who is like responsible for getting them here, yay, Anna Maria, um, and the accounts department who facilitated the filming here, they did a freaking awesome job. If we get more filming here, I think it would only be a good thing. And yeah, Owen Wilson rocks. So uh, hopefully we get more cool people like that. But um, you two are too cynical, too skeptical. Adam, Adam, before you speak, I, I, I got to interject. Robin, if that costs $5,000, fine. But what if it costs a million dollars? That's why I say I want to see the numbers. I'm not saying it's Wait, bad, it but I want to know there's a value. Oh, what's, what do you mean, cost? Oh, in terms in of the words, tax? What, what economic benefit, how much economic benefit versus versus the, 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 the taxes lost? The, the taxes lost. If that costs us $5,000 in taxes lost, I'm all for that. But there's got to be a benefit to the city and the cost yeah. benefit ratio. I'm not sure how to quantify, I mean, it's not in my skill set, but I'm not sure how to quantify the economic benefit of how much they spent here um, and how much, you know, how many dollars were infused in the community. But I'm sure somebody knows how to do that. Um, and, you know, numbers and details are important, certainly. So what else do we have on the agenda here? Um, Adam, there was an update on the city finances from Commissioner Songvi, and I know she said that we have had one of our strongest years ever in terms of sales tax, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, which is you know great news that the, really shows the city is kind of rebounding from COVID. Um, I, I, you know, as many of you know, I did run against Commissioner Shangvi uh, for that for finance. She beat me uh, during the campaign. I would say, you know, she campaigned tough. I campaigned tough against her. I wanted to not like her. Right? She was my competitor. She, <laughs> she, she was the lady I was running against. Her, her, her politics, at least on a national level, I would say, don't always align with mine. Luckily, you know, on a on a local level, that doesn't matter as much. Uh, after the election, I've gotten to know her. Uh, I think she's she's so far doing a great job for the city. Uh, and and, and I, I called her and I told her this and she got a chuckle too. I find her annoyingly charming. Uh, she, <laughs> she's a, she's, she's a, super nice. She's super nice. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you, and you want to not like her, but uh, just be, you know, not. Oh, you wanted to not like her, but it is easier writing against someone who, who you think isn't, you know, great, but she, yeah, she yeah. is certainly likable. She is like, so, uh, you know, as far as the finances are concerned, um, the, you know, Commissioner Shangri is, is uh, the sales tax is up, which is great. She's trying to bring um, uh, uh, accountability and transparency by doing, and, and I always mess this, this, this term up, it's participatory. Uh, participatory, it so participatory budgeting was something that was introduced last night at the city council. Commissioner Songvi thinks that our city finances are not, and our city budgeting is not inclusive. And so um, she asked Bob Turner, who's a Skidmore professor, 
Um, Commissioner Songvi is also a Skidmore professor. So she asked Bob Turner to have two of his students look into participatory budgeting and do a presentation to the city council on what that is. Um, I have two quick observations there. One is that we do have a very inclusive budgeting process. Um, once the um, budget, the comp budget is released at the beginning of October, we then have a series of workshops for each department that the public is invited to where that individual department presents their budget and workshops it and you know takes feedback from the public. And that's a whole month long process. Not a lot of people come because guess what? Not a lot of people are interested in doing the city budgeting and finances. Um, Commissioner Songvi propo Songvi's proposal would allow for um, any residents to be on a committee um, that would be given about $250,000 of the city budget and they would decide where and how they wanted to spend it. Um, at least that was my math. She said it would be about half a percent of the city's budget, which per my math works out to be about a quarter of a million dollars. Um, I don't, I, you know, my personal opinion, I don't love this approach. Um, I think that Commissioner Songvi should go through a budget season before she makes a determination as to whether or not it's inclusive and what needs to be uh, changed or adapted. Um, because you don't really understand the budget process, you know, as, as much as she might have an expertise in finance, you don't really understand how it's done here unless you go through a budget season. So I think she should go through a budget season, see how it works, see, how, see what kind of engagement there is from the public, and then perhaps look at doing something like uh, participatory budgeting. But as of right now, I'm not comfortable with my tax dollars going to um, a group of residents who have no financial background, uh, and we didn't elect into office to uh, spend my money. Dan, your thoughts? Um, I will uh, I will pass on this issue for now, Robin. I, I think you spoke well to it. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, um, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there was a little. Sorry. Go ahead, Adam. I was going to say I think that rounds up City Council. You know, in in, in the the important talking points there. Um, uh, I, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, there are just two, two other quick things. Um, in the Public Safety Department, Commissioner Montanino uh, talked about his report very briefly, the Daryl Mount report that we discussed prior. Um, the, the City Council, again, um, re uh, reaffirmed that they are asking Governor Hochul to, to do an executive order and convene a grand jury uh, to investigate the circumstances around Daryl Mount's death. So despite the report coming out, that, that was still an item on the City Council agenda. Um, and they did have also a public hearing on the Civilian Review Board. Um, they still haven't released any information as to what they're proposing for a Civilian Review Board, but there was another public hearing for that last night. So I think that about does it for the City Council meeting. Um, there were two other things we wanted to touch on. One I know was what happened at the school board meeting last night, because that's very important and uh, more news for Saratogians. That's right, Robin. And I want—I have, I have a name for this segment. Do you have your phone on you? I do have my phone on me. I'm, I'm going to send you the name, and you got to read the name of the segment. <laughs> okay. All right. And then we got to wrap it up because we're almost at 45 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Adam wants me to call this with so much drama in the BOE. Want so me to go to channel my inner Snoop Dogg? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I thought after the halftime show. So the, you know, real quick, I was jumping back and forth from the BOE meeting to City Council last night. Um, the BOE started with uh, some parents voicing concerns about the mask mandates. Some of them were unmasked. Uh, it caused the BOE to take a 10-minute pause um, to, to you know, kind of regain control of the meeting. Uh, but I would say a lot of parents were there speaking out against the mask mandate. So I personally was encouraged to hear that. Uh, we'll see what Kathy Hochul says in a week. Um, the other kind of... 
I would say, interesting part of the Board of Election. And to be honest with you, or Board of Education, it's the first meeting I've, I've watched in its entirety. Uh, boy, those go long. Um, there is, there is the, 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 the Board of uh, Education is pretty diverse in its politics, and they kind of get in their camps. Um, the, 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 the members, I would say, of the last part of the, the Board of Education put out a proposal and, and the three of them did it. The problem is they didn't consult the rest of the board. And what that proposal was, in, in, you know, it looked great. It was essentially um, praising our teachers, praising our educators and, and kind of condemning any, any uh, personal attacks against them or any incivility towards them. Which, which again, I think everybody can, you know, being the son of an educator for 40 years, we can get behind. The controversy came though, they did it unilaterally. They didn't consult the rest of the board. Uh, they came to the meeting and just presented this resolution. And I think when you do that, it causes issues with the other board members who, who don't feel like they had buy into this, who felt like some of the language might be attacking them uh, in kind of a passive aggressive way. And so it was, for me, it was a little, you know, why was this not done by the nine member board? Why did three members feel the need to do this in secret and then drop it, you know, drop it on the rest of the board, the middle of the city council meeting? Um, Amanda, Robin, what's her last name? Um, Ellisworth. Ellsworth, Amanda, yeah. El no, El it's Ellisworth. It's, it's definitely not Ellisworth. She, you know, she countered with a, with a couple resolutions of her own that were, again, unilateral to just her. One was saying the for the board to come out and support the uh, the the um, the head of the school board's uh, Dr. Patton's resolution that when masks become available or when when the mask mandate lifts in school on the state level that the the board will follow that and you know make them optional in uh, in the uh, in the schools. So, so she wait, kind just of to clarify, just yeah, to clarify, ahead, Mike Mike Patton is the superintendent. Uh, superintendent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So, so essentially, Amanda wanted the, the the board to say, "Hey, when this is lifted in the state, and, and, and we will support the superintendent in lifting it in schools." Uh, but be, because she dropped it on them, they didn't they didn't vote on that. Uh, she also referenced some social media posts uh, that mm. you know it was it was interesting. Um, it was uh, uh, directed, I think, at some members of the of the uh, of our educational community but it was it was interesting it wasn't something i thought would be so uh, so engaging but it really was i encourage people to go to the board the education meetings or at least watch some of them because it really it, it's as a parent it's it's it is very informative i found it just yeah. as interesting as the council I, I gotta just jump in quickly and say it is really sad that politics have infiltrated our school boards like this uh there's supposed to be like a separation of church and state here, right? I shouldn't know the political leanings of our school board members. I There shouldn't be factions of school board members that are brought together because of their political positions. And I wish that hadn't happened. I also think that our educators deserve a huge round of applause for how they've handled this, excuse my language people, but bullshit um, they've had to deal with because of the state's policies on masks and, and COVID in general. They are not uh, compliance officers. They are educators. They didn't sign up for this. They are doing what they have to do because of New York State and, and staying compliant with New York State law. And they're just trying to make sure they can keep the school healthy and safe so they can try to educate our children. And I hope this resolves as quickly as possible because I want them to be able to get back to focusing on what they do and that's to educate our kids. Um, so I'm sad that the school board is operating like this. I think they need to have a come to Jesus and figure out how to work together 
and communicate together so that they have productive meetings and can vote on things and they're all aware of what's going to be presented before it's presented. Um, but thank you for going, Adam. I appreciate that. Dan, any thoughts? Um, yeah, quickly, uh, you know, give us all three of us a plug and uh, solicit gifts from our, our viewers because we <laughs> went through City Hall meeting last night and went through the Board of Education. Folks, there's some sparks in those meetings, but generally it's hours of, of boredom and we have to uh, uh, parse the news out of that. So Adam, good for you for doing that. Um, I, I do also call BS. I don't know the politics of, of, of that board, of, of the Board of Education, but uh, I call BS for one faction of the board blindsiding the other faction of the board. It's like, can you at least, you can have your differences. You're always gonna, I get that. Um, but could, could you at least have some decorum and then some decency and, and give them a heads up of what's happening? That, that bothers me. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, and, politics, you couldn't pay me enough to, it's, a, they're unpaid positions, you, you could pay me six figures and I yeah. wouldn't. How about decorum and decency, though, for the people who come to the public comment at the uh, school board meetings? I mean, some of the people in their comments are so disgusting in their language and that the way they're, you know, hurling accusations at the school board. I mean, Jesus Christ, parents, get it together. See the big picture here. Stop taking yeah. out your rage on people who are just volunteering their time and have good intentions and don't make these policies, you know? I, th I think at the end of the day is we can agree that politics needs to be really kept out of schools, essentially personal yeah. because yeah. That's, that's on both sides, it's it's not great. All right. Anyway, guys, we're running out of time. Let's go into our quick cheers and jeers. Let's do our quick round robin cheers and jeers. Let's start with Dan. Who are your cheers and jeers this week? You know, I, I hate to be so negative. I always start with a jeer, but I'm gonna go with jeers. Uh, Jeers uh, to the dopers out there in, in, in sports, whether it's professional mm. sports, uh, the Olympics that we've seen a lot of, as well as um, uh, in horse racing. And I'm going to focus on horse racing for a minute. And the anti, you know, people that are anti-horse racing are going to give me a big duh, but I am really getting disgusted when I realize the level of doping that is going on uh, in horse racing, uh, essentially killing these beautiful animals and I, I am involved with horse racing at, at a small level. Uh, I, I've been owner over the years, not at the moment, but uh, I'm really getting pause as to my role in horse racing uh, is whether I want to continue in, in what, uh, you know, in, in, in some negatives here. But there, there are some good signs that, that the sport is starting to correct itself. The uh, hearings against Baffert and so forth, the convictions of several trainers and veterinarians in federal court recently. Um, so there are some bright signs. We need to keep going in that direction. A cheer on that note to the Times Union, Emily Munson, a reporter there that is doing a series that I've been uh, repeating on, on, that I've been posting on my site as well, Saratoga Report, but you could find the series on horse racing. She's going to win a Pulitzer out of this. She's doing uh, really in-depth investigations. Uh, kudos to that from the Hochul administration for releasing the documents. Uh, uh, New York State Gaming, the agency that regulates horse racing, is not looking good in some of these articles. So um, uh, uh, we will follow up on those issues because they're so important. Whether you're a horse, whether you like horse racing or not, if you love Saratoga Springs, don't tell me that we can survive or we survive as we are now. If, if you want to, if you want to reduce our restaurants and retail by seventy percent, I guess we could survive without horse racing but it is so important to the city whether you are a fan or not all right adam what are your tears and jeers yeah all right well i'll start with my jeer because i'm going to jeer the times union you know the, the, the times union has been very critical of saratoga and it's very slanted how they cover saratoga and i it, this drives me nuts in national news if you're going to you know there's certain outlets of news that we know what the bias is but if you're going to you know you claim to be fair and unbalanced you have to be fair and unbalanced. The coverage of Saratoga never is. It's always skewed to the left, heavily skewed. 
And the perfect example is the report that was done or the, the story that was done about the uh, report that Commissioner Montanino did. It said, report in wake of Daryl Mount's injury, a failure of leadership. That's the headline. That's not what his, his that was not the point of the report that Commissioner Montanino did. It was that Daryl Mount was not murdered by the Saratoga Springs police. The, and, and the Times Union, the headline and the, the, the age we're in, they just skip right over that. And that's the important part. I believe you're talking specifically about a one, well, one Miss Wendy Libertor, who is yeah. uh, responsible for the Saratoga Springs content. Yeah, that, that's right. She's usually the one who's writing these articles that, that are just, they just, you can't say you're, you're, you're fair and balanced and, and, and report on Saratoga like the way the Times Union Wendy does. So that's my cheer. My cheer is to the Cincinnati, uh, pardon me, not the Cincinnati. Oh, the, come on. The LA, the LA Rams. If you watched the show yesterday, I had winning by three and a half points. Uh, they won by three. So anyway, uh, congratulations to the uh, LA Rams. Robin, take us away. Oh. Take us home. Adam, you're officially not a good New Yorker because no good New Yorker congratulates LA on anything. Come on, man. Get with it. Um, no, my cheer is for Governor Kathy Hochul because uh, her inbox is going to be filled with all the requests from our current city council. We have uh, suddenly become like the most high maintenance little municipality in upstate New York for all the things that we are requesting from her through the city council. So sorry, Governor Kathleen Hochul, but appreciate your handling all of our requests. My jeer is also for the city council, um, specifically the four Democrats who just took office. Commissioner Sirocco has been out sick. Commissioner Sirocco, Skippy, we love you. We miss you. I sent you a message this morning. Um, but for the four city council people who are there, um, you say the word transparency all the time. It is probably the most frequently used word in their vocabulary. But when I went to go look up uh, the meeting information for the pre-agenda city council meeting on Monday morning, not only could I not find um, the meeting anywhere, I couldn't find a Zoom link, I couldn't find any of the agenda items. Uh, it wasn't, the, none of this information has been made available publicly anywhere that I can find. But um, Saratoga Springs City Council, I don't think you have the, even most basic understanding of what transparency means, because if you did, you would make sure this information is out there for the public. Public meeting laws um, govern these, public open meeting laws govern these meetings and how you run them. You gotta put this info out, start communicating like you promised to do when you were campaigning, start being truly transparent. That's my year. that's our week. Thank you all for watching Talking Saratoga. I think Dan hopped off the plate. Thank you, we will see you next Wednesday. Nice.